When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome back to the Trackster Podcast. I don't really think it's called the Running Podcast anymore, so I'm just going to start saying the Trackster Podcast. I might change the name on Spotify and Apple Podcast. I just feel like it's better for us to get views if people search Running Podcast and we come up because that's our name. So let us know, I guess, on Instagram if you think we should change our name to just to Trackster Podcast or keep it as the Running Podcast. Not that it really matters, because I think everyone listening to this has either followed a link on Instagram to listen to it or have already subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you haven't done that, then I guess please, is the notification thing on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But yeah, please give us a five-star review or any review on Apple Podcasts and give us any feedback on the podcast. Like I said, we are uploading weekly now, which is a miracle because in 2021, I think we uploaded, I think like 12 podcasts throughout the whole year. Um, And now we're on our 80th podcast. I think this is the 80th episode. So, I mean, in 2020, we uploaded a lot more. So I just want to get back into that. It is a solo podcast today, which is a bit of a shame because I did want to get a guest on every week and then do solo podcasts as extras, but it's just the way it's worked out uh, with my schedule and everything else. We do have a podcast, what we were meant to record two days ago, but we had to rearrange it and also hopefully we've got a few really exciting podcasts coming up as well. Um, but for this week, you sorry, you're just going to have to listen to my voice for 30, 40 minutes, depending on how long this goes on for. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure that podcasts were coming out weekly and I guess this was the best way to do that. I was just getting on... And doing a solo podcast so i did ask yesterday on instagram for some q a questions which we will get into after the podcast or sort of after i've gone through the main brunt of the podcast which is basically going to be talking about the milrose games and also i guess maybe looking at some of the news from the past week anything exciting what sort of has been going on within track and field i'll probably talk about so i'll probably go around that first actually because i've just finished writing the newsletter so that's sort of fresh in my mind um, so if you don't actually subscribe to us on the newsletter, I know this has just been a massive plug to start the podcast, which I don't, I'm not entirely bothered about because I think it's helpful. We don't make any money from the newsletter, um, but if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, I will leave it in the description. It's essentially a weekly newsletter. It releases on Wednesday as well, the same day as the tracks the podcast, and essentially it's just covering the news of the week. And it's definitely not written as well as Kyle Merber's newsletter, the lap count. But I like to think we get a bit more of a a general news outlook on it um, and hopefully we'll develop that over time and maybe get back into the videos in terms of making a, a news video every week but at the minute this is basically where to find all the news if you haven't been keeping up to date on our Instagram or anything we haven't posted on Instagram we will post it in the newsletter so it's literally anything I find what I think is newsworthy throughout the whole week I will post in this newsletter um, so we're going to go for that first sort of talk about some things that have happened this week and then we'll get into the Milrose Games preview and then we'll answer some questions. So, first of all, at the start of the newsletter, I did pose this question. And as you probably know, the Streak Fly is, has now officially been announced by Nike to be released in February and March. But also, I believe it's going to be announced in the UK on Friday. So it's currently Wednesday in the UK and I've heard rumours that it's either going to be released on Thursday or Friday in the UK. I'm guessing very, very limited numbers. So I'm going to try and get my hands on some of them to get reviewed because I haven't been able to get them from any any shoe brand. I guess, to be honest, we're not really doing shoe reviews, which is something we are going to do as well. So I 
obviously, why would they send us? Why would they send them to us when we don't do anything in regards to shoe reviews? Um, so that's one of the reasons I do want to get into shoe reviews is just to get some free shoes. But yeah, the question I had was like, are Nike sort of losing their power a bit in terms of this powerhouse? Because shoe performance wise, obviously they had the next percent, which was sort of like the major dominant force. And then I guess Adidas, Asics released their amazing super shoes. I'm going to say the Asics Metaspeed Sky is actually probably the best 5k and 10k shoe on the market uh, or better than the next percent anyway. It obviously depends on what running you are, but I actually think they probably are the best. But then also you've got Puma, who released a really, really good shoe. You've got some other brands like Saucony, Brooks, Hoka. Well, Hoka's is nowhere near, but like Brooks, Saucony, um, New Balance. Their shoes are sort of, you know, secondary, but they're still getting there. But so like Nike don't really have this dominance anymore in terms of the super shoe market. And on the track, I guess to the public... The Dragonfly is probably still the best, but also Adidas have the Adidas Vanti, which is really, really good. And then Asics have the prototype, New Balance have the prototype. Um, so it got me thinking, like, with this Streakfly release, and also the the first reviews of the Streakfly are, it's a good shoe, but it probably won't even replace the Vaporfly. It probably won't even replace the Vaporfly for 5K and 10K. So then it's like, what is this shoe for? Obviously for training, but I don't really understand why you'd want to sort of sacrifice training in shoes what are going to leave your legs less battered to train in the streak fly so i'm interested to see how it feels but because i have heard sort of mixed reviews about it I, i'm sort of skeptical to get it but obviously i will get it because of to do to do a review myself but it's like if these shoe reviewers have sort of said that it probably wouldn't replace the vaporfly for the 5 and 10k i don't really see a need for it in my opinion obviously for training in a faster shoe um i don't know if it'll be faster for a road mile who knows so i was like so are nike actually losing their i guess superpower because the last two high performance shoes they released were the alpha fly that's like the first like the last new performance shoe which was sort of seen as i guess a negative reception and then also the other shoe was the tempo next percent which was a training shoe again sort of negative reaction as a whole and then also now the streak fly, which is seeming to be like an average reaction. So it's sort of where the Nike lie when the likes of Asics and Adidas are releasing these amazing shoes. Like the Takumi Sen 8 just got released and it's an amazing shoe. Adidas runners are starting to run really fast. So I am wondering if Nike are losing their power a bit in terms of this dominance they've had. And world records are starting to get beat by Adidas athletes as well. Obviously, Nike is still at the top, but I'm just interested to see how it goes in the next few years, especially with the likes of Helena Beery leaving Nike to join on running, which is probably another story of the week where, like, you'd never expect Helena Beery, two-time Olympic medalist, two-time world championship medalist, to leave for on. If someone said that to you a few years ago, you'd think they're absolutely crazy. So it sort of shows the progression on are doing, and also, I guess, sort of the stagnation Nike are doing in terms of not re-signing some athletes and also not really having the shoe innovation they had i guess in 2018 um so it's i think it's a positive for the sport as a whole because if you have one brand dominating everything it's sort of unfair for other sponsored athletes so i think it's been good that people have been able to catch up but i'm interested to see what nike do this year because obviously the, you've got the alpha fly 2 which is rumored to come out you've got the streak fly which is coming out pretty much now but then also you've seen the pegasus pro pegasus turbo 3 nature whatever there seems a lot of shoes there from Nike and it seems like it's a bit of a jumbled mixture. So I am interested to see what comes out because 
I don't really want them to follow the path of just releasing loads without them being amazing. And just, I guess, to make more money, which they will do. And I guess that is their main goal, is to make money. But it's a shame that they don't really, their main goal isn't to make the best possible products for everyone. So that's one of the key stories I wanted to talk about. Um, but then also the other trends for the talk, obviously I've already mentioned Helen Beery joining on running, which is ridiculous. Um, then you've also signed for Adidas this week. We've got Archie Davis, Phil Sessman, Emil Keres and Daryl McAnally. So Daryl is Irish and came second behind Charles Hicks in the European Cross Country Championships for the under 20, under 20 freeze. Uh, Archie Davis, Phil Sessman and Emil Keres are all British runners, distance runners. And Archie Davis is a middle distance runner. But then also Whitney Orton Morgan obviously won the NCAA Cross Country Championships. She has recently announced that she is signing with Adidas, which we did actually break before Cities Mike, even though she went on Cities Mike's podcast to announce it. We announced it before that, so even though I guess they did make content with the athletes so they kind of win again, we announced it first. Uh, there's a little bit of a rivalry between us and City Smag at the minute. Well, actually, I think it's probably a one-way rivalry because I don't think they really care, but I'm sort of just trying to outdo them, basically, which is pretty much impossible because Chris Chavez is an absolute god, and um, hopefully one day we'll get there. Uh, and then also Nia Goodison signs with Nike, so she's a 17-year-old 60-metre British runner. And when she was 16, she ran 7:28 for the 60 meters, which is the world June, uh, which is the world indoor seniors qualifying champion qualifying standard. Um, obviously, I can relate that to distance. Imagine a 16-year-old running 7:52 for 3,000 meters, which is the British qualifying standard for the 3,000. Kind of unheard of. And then some other transfers. Aisha Jewett joined Nike with the best announcement video ever. It was like a Marvel anime-inspired thing. Ellie Baker, another British runner, joined New Balance. Neil Gawley moves from Nike to Under Armour. Sam Tanner, obviously the New Zealand 1500-metre runner, joins Puma. And Patrick Turnin moved from Nike to Puma as well. So again, you've seen some athletes transition away from Nike. Then also, I mean, they have signed Connor Manns, Charlie Hunter, Cole Hocker and Cooper Deer in recent weeks. So it's sort of kind of false that they've had people move away when they've had that high calibre of athlete join. Next on the news is probably, con I wouldn't really say controversial, but Nico Young's 354 converted mile, um, and also Yared Nagusa's 354, I guess, negative split mile. So Nico Young obviously ran 402.89 at 7,000 feet of altitude, which converts to a 354.07 at sea level. And obviously I believe they're just as impressive, because altitude is extremely hard to run at. But you've also got to consider the fact that Nico's leg speed was still 402 for a mile, like he wasn't running faster. Like his his cadence was cadence for a four oh two mile and not a three fifty four. So I think that probably suits Nico a bit more because he is obviously more aerobically inclined being a distance runner. So it's probably less impressive than uh, maybe a fifteen hundred meter run in that time because Nico's aerobic system will probably be fitter and obviously he's not running as fast. It's just a conversion. And also obviously Nico trains at altitude again, so it's probably suits him more. I still think it's just as impressive, and I think it's very, very impressive. And obviously, Nico Young, we see as a 3K, 5K, 10K runner. Him going down to the mile and running that time, pretty crazy. And also to beat the likes of Luis Grijalva, who, I mean, we saw outkick Cooper Tier and Drew Hunter last season in some races. Obviously, Cooper got his own back when it mattered in the NCAA final, but, you know, Luis isn't, you know, a slow runner or a slow kicker. So to see Nico get away from him on the last lap is pretty crazy. And Yarrow the Goose, I don't really understand why he's still in the NCAA. I thought he would have signed a contract by now. 
I've heard a few things. I'm guessing he's wanting to either make the contract more expensive by winning an NCAA title again, or I guess he just wants to compete in the indoors. He ran a 354 mile after running a 159 first half. So, you're talking a 154, 155, last 800, well, probably 154 if you count splits, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, so, he's probably favourite going into the NCAA mile. Obviously, you've got the likes of Cole Hocker, who I think, not Cole Hocker, I meant to say Adam Fogg, who ran a 356 mile this week as well. Um, but I think it's Yard and Gooses to lose, especially since he does have a really good kick, as we saw him get third in the NCAAs ahead of Craig Engels. Um, and then also back to the British news side of things, Ocean Perrin ran the British 3,000 metre record. And it's kind of sad because he is a triathlete and obviously he is an under 20 and ran 7.54 for 3,000 metres as a triathlete, which ranks him third in Europe all time, uh, behind Jakob Ingebrigtsen, who's first, obviously. Um, and we spoke to him after he broke his record and he did say his favourite 3,000 metre specific session was 15 times 300 metres with alternating recoveries. So you'd have 40 seconds recovery for one rep, then 30 seconds, then 20 seconds, and then you'd repeat that over and over for 15. And he'd sort of progress the times from 47 seconds to 45 seconds per 300. I'm trying to think in my head if I could do that session. I can imagine you start getting a lot of lactic, especially with the 15 seconds rest. Like 15 seconds rest, it's 20 seconds rest, but it's practically the same thing. I've done 15 second rest 200s before. And they're, me they're not messing around. Like they're, You basically finish, have to turn around and then start again. And running 15 threes at 47 to 45, that's going to take some work. Um, also, today, literally probably like an hour before this podcast started recording, the Zatapec 10,000 metres, which is in Australia. I always get confused by that because Zatapec was obviously not an Australian runner. But Rose Davis made it back-to-back -back victories in the women's 10,000 metres. And Jack Rayner got his first victory with essentially a really brave push to home. With 1,200 to go, he just blew away the rest of the field and came away with the win. And it's his first ever win in the Zatapec 10K. Um, also, if you follow Jack Rayner on Strava, his build-up to this race is pretty weird. I'm not going to say much more. Just go and give him a follow. He's probably one of the most followed people on Strava. But it was quite strange to see what he'd been doing before this race because, I don't know, it was just weird to look at because it didn't really scream 10,000 metre specific training or in the shape he's clearly in, to run that great time. And I think that's sort of what I've got for the news. I've got some other like previews, but I, I guess that's for another podcast. Like, There's no point in doing previews now for a different race when we're going to do the preview for Miller's Games. So I actually can't remember where I've got the list, so just bear with me for a second. I'm hoping this podcast is okay because I'm talking at a million miles an hour and I'm just talking at you, so hopefully you haven't clicked off yet. And if you haven't clicked off yet, I guess thank you for bearing with me and coping with my uh, my rubbish voice. Um, so the first Milrose Games race I wanted to speak about is the men's 3,000 metres. And there is a reason for that. And it's because it's probably the most exciting 3,000 metre field I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'll just go from top to bottom. You've got Drew Hunter, Wesley Kipsu, Luis Gajalva, Nico Young, James West, Morgan Biedelscombe. Cooper Tier, Jordi Beamish, Sam Parsons, John Gray, Jeremy Hernandez, Charles Hicks, Cole Hocker, and Connor Mance. So I'll just go through some of the names which I'm excited to watch. And bear in mind, I've just listed, I think, 12 names, and I'm probably going to list another 10 right now who 
I mean, if you could design a 3,000 meter indoor race, these are the people you'd want to see in it. Drew Hunter, Tim Annerley, obviously, I guess he won the 5K road champs, uh, beat like Matthew Centuritz and Cooper Tier, uh, and uh, Kipolimo. No, not Kipolimo, Chalimo, who pulled out, I guess. So he didn't really beat him, but I guess he did because he pulled out. Was the Kip two? He's just, you know, he's going to be at the front. He's going to make the race exciting. Luis Gahalva again. So we saw him in the mile and also Nico Young, they're back. James West, a British runner, 747 personal best. And I think, to be honest, he sort of underperformed in races in recent years compared to his form. So it would be great to see him run really well. Cooper Tier, obviously, don't need an introduction for Cooper. He's, he's 746 personal best. I think they're going to run a lot quicker than that um, at the Milrose Games. Jordy Beamish from Arn Athletics Club and also Coffee Club podcast, I think it's called. Yeah, it is the Coffee Club. I don't even know why I said that because I definitely know it's the Coffee Club. He's got a great kick and someone commented on our Instagram saying that his kick like makes Cole Hockers look like the hobby jogger. And I replied saying Geordie Beamish's kick looks great in a Diamond League B race mile, whereas Cole Hockers' kick looks great against the defending Olympic champion whose speciality is a kick. Obviously, Geordie Beamish has still got an amazing, amazing kick, like a really fast kick, but I don't think it's quite as good as Cole Hockers. Sam Parsons again, Tim Man Elite. It is interesting how Adidas don't have Tim Man Elite as their name. And I know that Adidas restrict Tim Man quite a lot in terms of what they can do and can't do, but it's just strange how they don't have a kit and also don't allow their names to be entered in races because that makes so much more sense to me from a branding point of view. But anyway, um, Charles Hicks from Stanford. His personal best is actually 8.08, so it's going to be interesting to see how much he goes under that. I think... You know, he can probably run in the 740s, you'd like to think, or at least maybe in the 730s, I don't know. Uh, Cole Hocker, I'd have to actually put him as favourite for this race just because of his kick. Obviously, he ran 331 for 1500 as well, sixth for the Olympics. I think he's probably going to win in a kick in probably the 730s. And Connor Mance as well, 750 personal best, he can definitely run in the 730s as well. So, yeah, I mean, when you've got Connor Mance and Wesley Kipto in the race, and also obviously a pacer, it's not going to be slow. It's going to be a fast race. I'd probably want Cooper Tier to win. I'd like him to get his vengeance on Cole for the NCAA indoor 3,000 metres. But I think it's probably Cole Hawkers to lose with his kick. It's just too fast. Like His kick is probably... I think he closed the fastest even in Tokyo. I think the last lap he closed in the fastest time. Or maybe Josh Kerr. I can't remember. I'm not sure the exact stats. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's Cole Hawker's kick, so yeah, I'm going to back him for the win there. And then up next is the men's mile. Again, it's sort of the same vibe. I'm guessing Eric Swinski is pacemaking because he hasn't got a personal best down. And then you've got Clayton Murphy, Ollie Hoare, Keith Hoare, sorry, Hobbs Kessler, Colby Alexander, Andrew, I can't pronounce his second name from Ireland, Koskaran, Craig Engels, Mario Garcia Romo, Sam Prakel. Mario Garcia again. There's two Mario Garcias in this race. One, they're both Spanish, but one's from New Balance. Johnny Gregorick, Josh Kerr, Nick Willis, and Henry Wynn. So, obviously, the first thing you get sort of screaming up here is Craig Angles, Josh Kerr, and Ollie Hoare. Probably the quality of the field, and probably what we've seen in recent years, or last year anyway, is probably Josh Kerr and Ollie Hoare's race, because Ollie Hoare seems exceptionally good indoors. I think he ran a 332, 1500 metres. Um, at the Milrose Games or the New Balance uh, indoor tour last year so I think it is between them and we have done like a pick and asked experts and also asked you guys and a lot of people actually said they back Ollie Hoare to beat Josh Kerr 
I don't know if that's because they forget that Josh Kerr is an Olympic bronze medalist or the fact that they listen to the Coffee Club podcast, which I think is the same with Jordi Beamish, how as soon as you relate yourself to these athletes, your opinion of them goes extremely high. I do think Josh Kerr still has the edge, but I can see why people would still think Ollie Hall is one of the favourites to win. Craig Engels, you've got in there as well. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I, I guess he had an average year coming fourth. Like, it's imagine having a bad year and you still come fourth at the Olympic trials against Cole Hocker, Centrowitz and the Goose. Um, I'm excited to see how Hobbs Kessler does. Obviously, he's got that 334, 1500, 357, 66 mile personal best. I think he's going to get quite substantially lower than that, but it will be interesting to see where his fitness is at because he has done a interesting 3k where you know for, for them it's not really that impressive like he ran 8, eight flat or 7.59 that's not amazing for him I, I, I assume he can run quicker but I guess he is also an 8.15 runner over anything else um, and other than that I think Henry Wynn's got a shout of being really high up there same with Clayton Murphy Sam Prakle 3.50 personal best Johnny Gregorick 3.49 personal best for the mile is that the American record? I can't remember if that is the American record or not, but, you know, it's an amazing field. And then the next race I've got here is the Women's Mile, which is probably even more exciting. You've got Affing Mo, Sage Herter, Ella Donahue, Josiette Norris, Jessica Hall, Costa Haltham, Shannon Seeker, Corey McGee, Heather McLean, Ellie Puria, St. Pierre, Anna Camp-Bennett and Nikki Hiltz. So I think the probably the strong favourite is El Poirier. Is that how you say a name? Ellie Poirier? I don't know, sorry. Um, and I'm going to say Affing Mo, you know, because she can probably run a 153, 154, 800. I know she only ran 155. Like I say, only like it's not the American record and one of the fastest ever. But I think it'll be interesting to see how she can kick in a race what's clearly a lot easier than her 800 pace. Obviously, Elle Poirier has run a 416 mile. And also Costa Halfman's on a 4.17 mile. So I guess they're the two classes of the field in terms of personal bests. But I do think it'll be between Affing Mo and El Poirier for the win. And I think Nikki Hiltz, Jessica Hall, Costa Halfman, Shannon Seeker will be you know high up there as well. It is a great field. And I mean, every single race at this Milrose Games is a phenomenal field. So it is going to be an interesting one. The men's 800 metres sad that we can't see a Donovan Brazier in this. He is in the 400. But for the men's eight, we've got Bryce Hopple, Michael Sonori, Sam, Sam Rooney from uh, from Kenya, Aisha Harris, who's now a Brooksby's athlete, by the way, uh, Lopez from Hoka, Mark English from... Well, he's Irish. I don't think he's got a sponsor at the minute. Um, Saul Ordinez from Spain, New Balance athlete. Aisha Jewett making his debut for Nike. Charlie Hunter not making his debut for Nike but it's sort of the first official big race debut for Nike and Union Athletics Club which I really want to see a kit for and I know Nike haven't like released their kits in the last two years and they really need to because I'm missing seeing a new Nike kit and also custom kits like Oregon Project had one uh, Oregon Track Club have got one and Bauman have got one so I really want to see one for new Union Athletics Club I'm guessing it's coming but I think the branding of that club is a bit iffy at the minute it is getting better though, and I do really like the the I do really like the name actually, but I do think they need to do things a bit differently, to sort of increase the popularity or the brand awareness. I do think strong runners in this are probably going to be 
Aisa Jewett, Bryce Hopple and Lopez. Don't know why, I've just got a feeling they're going to be at the front. Charlie Hunter's obviously already ran an 8 this year, but he, did, he doubled up in the 8 in the mile, so you can't really look at that. It's a strong field. Anyone can pretty much come out on top, I think. But for some reason, Bryce Hopple, Lopez and Jewett are screaming. Probably Bryce Hopple you'd have to put as a favourite or Michael Saruni from Kenya. I think Saruni's got the fastest indoor personal best, 143.98, which isn't messing around indoors. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if I had to put a prediction on it for the win, I'd say Bryce Hopple. Don't know why, it's just where I'm going. So probably, I guess, the general non-distance runner biasness, like the best event of the day, is the men's 60 metres. You've got Noah Lyles, Joseph Lyles, Kevon Rattray from Jamaica, Trayvon Brommel, Christian Coleman is making his return. He did do a 300 metres. I'm guessing no one cares about his 300 metre time, but he is making a return, the world record holder, after a anti-doping violation ban. I'm not going to say doping because it was um, where he failed to return. What's it called? For some reason, I've gone blank. He basically, if no one knows... He didn't turn up for a free drugs test, I think, and it's like free strikes and you get a ban because you have a designated time to be there for your drugs test and if you're not there, it's obviously like, why aren't you there? We're drug testing you type thing. Like, it's your job to be there, basically. Um, Marvin Bracey, Ronnie Baker and Omar McLeod. So Omar McLeod is obviously the Jamaican hurdler. I do think it's probably Christian Commons or Trayvon Bromels to lose based off their start. I don't think Noah Lyles is going to be too much of a challenge in a 60, even though he does have a fast 6.57 personal best. I, it will be interesting to see how good Christian Coleman is. I think as we saw with Shakira Richardson when she came back after her, I guess, two-month ban, she was very, very poor in the 100. And then the races after, she was pretty average. So it's interesting to see if Christian Coleman will face the same fate, sort of not racing for so long, and how much you sort of miss that sharpness. From a race, so I'm probably going to predict Trayvon Bromel to win, but also I think that's kind of a naive speaking like that because Christian Common is the world record holder, so it is probably between the the two of them. But also Ronnie Baker's a 640 personal best, and he's the second fastest in the field, so it is going to be an interesting one. And again, it is a very very stacked field, and in the men's 400 meters. It is another stacked field. You've got Christian Taylor of uh, Puma, not to be mistaken with the triple jumper. Donovan Brazier, 400 metres, so Union Track Club debut in the 400. Vernon Norwood of New Balance, 45-31 personal best indoors. Vernon Norwood, he obviously got a medal in the relay, I think, at the Olympics. I can't remember. Matt Garrett of Columbia. It says Columbia, but then it says he's from the USA. So can someone please explain that? Is Columbia a state or a place? I'm guessing that's the case. It's just confusing because it's Columbia. Uh, and then Hunter Woodall, obviously sort of a relationship powerhouse with Tara. Tara Davis, the long jumper. So they're both Olympians. Hunter's obviously Olympic medalist in the Paralympics. And he's got a 46-64 personal best. So that's kind of like a fantasy matchup you didn't expect to see is Donovan Brazier versus Hunter Woodall. So I'm excited to see that. It's going to be a bit carnage, like with these high quality runners in a 400 metre race where obviously you break after the 150. I hate watching 400s indoors because it's such a tight, tight bend when everyone just tries to get to the front because that's what everyone does. You need to be at the front with 200 to go in a 400 or else you're going to be slower. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And then in the women's 3000 metres, 
I mean, we talk about stacked fields, and this is no different. You've got El Heens, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, El Heens of USA um, as a nine-minute runner. You've got Whitney Orton making her Adidas debut. You've got Amy Cashin uh, of Australia. You've got Ali Bushalski, uh, Brooks Beast, Marta Penn, Marta Penn Fritas from Brooks Beast. Sorry if I butchered that name as well, because I'm a big fan of Brooks Beast. Courtney Wyman of BYU. Makidis Abididi of Adidas hasn't got a personal best. Maybe she's the pacemaker. I'm not too sure on that. Rachel Snyder of Hoka, 846. Danny Jones of New Balance, 902. Alicia Monson of On Athletics Club, 845. Amy Eloise Markov of Reebok Boston TC of 846 personal best. Winnie Kalati of Under Armour and Dark Sky. Winnie Kalati, um, 853. Holly Archer is a 1500 meter runner. Her personal best is 9.31. I can imagine that is going to be substantially quicker after this race, unless she is the pacemaker. And then Laura Galvin of Hoka, 8.49. Prediction for this race, I have absolutely no clue. Um, part of me wants to say Alicia Monson of an athletics club, but also Amy Louise Markov is a really strong runner. I, I think it's too close to call. We've also got the likes of, I mean... Whitney Orton has a dangerous kick. If she goes with 800 to go, she's probably going to be the favourite. See, it's hard to tell. Um, again, it's going to be a fast race, like well under nine, I, I presume. I think that's the, all the, I guess, that is all the entries we've sort of highlighted in terms of the pre-classic, uh, pre-classic Miller's games. Um, there is a lot more, and I'll leave the link to the description if you want to see all the entry lists for all the events. Sorry for that, me just talking through that was very boring. I am going to get on some Q&A questions now. But yes, I am really excited for the Milner's Games. Like It's the first sort of amazing indoor race we've had in quite a long time. And I mean, yeah, it's going to be exciting to say the least. And who knows, there is a few a few races where you could potentially see something extremely quick. Um, I guess it depends if how well Christian Coleman's running. Maybe could see a world record from him again. He's is the current world record holder. And then you know there could be a few American records in the mile if it's fast, and also in the I guess in the men's mile. Like the men's mile is probably what I'm most excited for, as well as the men's three thousand meters and the women's mile. So there is many, but I mean you could probably you could be talking a world record in the men's mile. You know you've got Josh Kerr, who's probably he ran three twenty nine in the Olympics. So you've got to say he's in three twenty nine, three twenty eight peak shape last year so you know he's in it I think that converts to an indoor world indoor world record for the mile so you know we'll have to wait and see what happens there and then also in the men's 3000 meters you'll have to let me know what the American record is for the men's 3000 obviously they're not going to get the world record because it's 724 indoors but you know Cole Hawker Cooper Tier I'm kind of expecting to see an American record in before someone tells me it's like 720 something indoors but yeah i mean it's going to be fast regardless um so on to the q a questions now sorry if this is again i don't know why i'm apologizing because you've chosen to listen to this podcast so i guess it's you know it is the whole point of the podcast is to talk and i've actually just lost the questions because it's been uh it's been 24 hours since i asked them so hopefully i can get them up now and i can't be bothered to pause my podcast so i'm just sort of free rolling while I, until I get them right I've got them so 
first question I've got here is the best pair of Nike Nike running shoes ever. I mean, it's hard to not say the next percent just because of how great it is. But I feel like that's a stupid answer because it's quite a new shoe. I'm a huge fan of the Pegasus 33 and the Pegasus 32. I think they're amazing shoes. Um, and also the Nike Invincible. Like the Invincible has got no competition for an easy mileage running shoe. Like for that specific very easy mileage or easy mileage recovery shoe, injury prevention shoe, the Invincible is clear of everything else. But that's not an answer. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the next percent. I feel like it's so revolutionary. It has to be the best Nike shoe ever. Someone's asked, how can I improve my muscle recovery so I can train harder and fresher for sessions? And when I increase my training load, I always find myself not recovering enough. Um, I think, obviously, when you increase your training load, you've also got to eat more because you're burning more calories. That's something people neglect straight away is they just keep the same eating. You probably need to eat a bit more. Um, also, you need to probably sleep more, drink more water. And they're sort of the three, I guess, obvious ones. The most important ones, though, hydration, diet, and sleep. So make sure you're actually getting them first. Like, you're talking eight hours or more a day of sleep, probably drinking... I'm not a scientist and I can't, I don't want to, I'm not like a health advisor, so I can't recall how much I drink, but I, I drink a lot um, of water. So just make sure you're drinking enough water and also making sure you're getting a good mix of carbohydrates, proteins, fats. And one thing I would say in terms of diet, make sure you're eating as soon as possible after your session because it helps adaptations from the session and also helps recovery. So I think within 15, 20 minutes, you need to have some carbs. And then within an hour, try to have some carbs and protein and fats and stuff like that. Uh, that helps. And I guess in terms of non-staple like things, like things you have to do, I would say Firefly Recovery is probably my favourite recovery tool, and they are very expensive, so I'm not recommending you buy it if you're looking for, I guess, options what are actually feasible to consistently do. But if you're very rich and listen to this, just buy loads of Fireflies. They're like a leg stimulus thing where you put on behind your leg and it sort of impulses and vibrates your leg. Um, by far the best recovery tool I've ever used in my entire life and they help with injuries so much as well I just, they're amazing, Like I can't recommend enough, I don't own any pairs at the minute because they are very expensive um, I guess also hot baths, I wouldn't recommend a cold bath or an ice bath because they have been shown to stop training adaptations as much because basically you have inflammation when you're tired and then an ice bath reduces the inflammation it's not when you're tired, sorry, it's when you like work hard you're muscles sort of tear break like really micro tears cause inflammation and if you then have an ice bath and stop the inflammation recovery is different and also they're not going to be inflamed and therefore the muscle adaptations aren't going to be as much as they can be i think that's right so there's going to be a sports physiologist listening to this telling me that i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that is correct and also i really like shakeouts so like an easy an easy mile an easy two mile like extremely easy like you're talking 10 minute miling or even I don't know 9 minute miling or whatever or if you're I guess a slower runner even go 11 minute miling, miling 12 minute miling extremely extremely easy runs um, just as extra to sort of get the blood flow going or you could go on the exercise bike or you could go on the cross trainer swim whatever just something really easy to get the heart rate up also run your easy runs easier like it's obvious you've got to run your easy runs easy I've noticed that's one of the biggest helpers in terms of recovery is running the easy runs easy like actually making sure it's comfortably very comfortable all the way through i sort of run and my easy runs at the minute i live in quite a hilly area and i sometimes i run between 650 minute mile and 720 minute mile generally 
uh, or 640 to 720, but I live in quite a hilly area. And obviously my personal best for 10K is like 29 minutes. So I guess sort of use your personal best to convert what that sort of would be for you. But I like, you know, I really like running my easy runs easy. And also wear the Invincibles. I've mentioned that the Nike Invincibles are the best recovery shoe I've ever used in my entire life. What's next? Do you have any, this is a question for me specifically, hopefully people don't mind that. Do you have any interest in eventually moving up for the marathon distances? Absolutely. I think that's probably where my strengths lie. I would like to do the marathon eventually. And that same person has asked, do you think Jakob will run half marathons and full marathons? I don't think Jakob Ingebrigtsen will ever run a half marathon or full marathon competitively. I think he just wants to be the greatest of all time. And he wants to do that at 15 and 3k and 5k. Don't think he'll want to go up to the half and marathon because... He doesn't really like running that much. I don't think he likes winning and competing. And I think he said, like, as soon as he's not able to compete at the top level and be the best of all time, then he's just going to quit rather than going down the distances or going up the distances onto the roads because track running is where he sees the success and stuff like that. So, no, I don't really see him doing them um, competitively. And also that same person has asked, person you want to interview the most? I think Kipchoge's probably got to be the top spot. Uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen do want to interview Matthew Centuritz as well I speak to him a lot and Mo Farah I speak to them both quite a lot but yeah it's hard to get them on they're, they're busy people and also like I think how many people ask them to go on the podcast so yeah I think probably Jakob Kipchoge Henrik Ingebrigtsen as well Centuritz and Mo Farah Sebko there's loads there's so many I want to interview what is your opinion the most exciting event to watch I really enjoy watching the men's 1500 metres. I think there's so many dynamics at the minute and also the women's 800 metres I think is really exciting because, you know, every time Afimo steps on the track, there's going to be some sort of record attempt and also Keila Hodgkinson, another young talent. It's just great to watch sort of, I guess, young athletes come through. I think that's why I like the 15 as well so much because you've got Cole Hocker and Jakob Ingebrigtsen and stuff like that. So they're probably my two favourites, the 8 and 15, the women's 8 and the men's 15. But, I mean, I'm not lying every single event I enjoy watching like even the field events now maybe not like the hammer throw um that's probably about it I enjoy pretty much watching everything else just don't see the point in the hammer like when you've got discus and shot put why do you need a hammer that's probably naive I'm sorry any hammer throws listen sorry to any hammer throwers listening to this but like what's the point in it it's just I don't know um someone just put breaking mental barriers question mark I think that's an interesting one because running is a lot mental like a lot mental um, I think what you've got to do is, I don't even know, I'm useless at this, but I've sort of got to a point where I'm good at it, I think it's from experience, and also, basically what, what helps me, and this is probably not the best thing to, to suggest, because I don't think it's actually that great of a strategy, I essentially did an extremely hard tempo uh, in lockdown, it was a 15k tempo around an 800 meter loop, and it was extremely hot and I completely burnt out very soon into the tempo. And I carried on doing it and I was probably in pain for about 8k, like in a lot of pain. And now all I do whenever I'm in a race or whenever I'm in a training session, I just think back to that and think I've been through that pain before. So I can do it now and it'll never be as bad. And so that's what I guess I think back to. And also that happened in the 10k recently as well at Telford when I ran my personal best. I bonked at like 6k. Um, I don't think I fueled right before it and that last 4k was extremely painful but I sort of ran through it and then also kicked to win somehow still don't have a clue how I did that but like I think 
recalling back other races is a great way to break mental barriers. Um, or like when, you know, why are you working hard? Or like, you know, it's it's hard work. Like if it was easy, everyone would do it. So you've got to work hard. But also you've got to do the right things. Like working hard isn't like a a key to success. Like if you're working hard every single session to the limit, you're going to get injured. You're going to get burnt out. So definitely don't do that. But just sort of, you know, recall back to when you have worked hard. And that, that really helps. And also know that your competitors are also probably hurting just as much. I think in terms of mental barriers, in terms of like motivation to get out and run, consistency is so important and I see every day as equally important. So like an easy run, I see it just as important as a training session. So if you treat everything individually rather than a group of training, it sort of helps with getting out the door and even doing like pre-run exercises. I see pre-run exercises as a way to improve my form and a way to make sure I stay injury free. And see it as that. Don't see it as pre-run exercises. Same same with a warm-up before a session. Don't see it as a warm-up. See it as making sure your session is going to be perfect. And also improving your form through drills and stuff like that. So really individualise everything and break it all down. And therefore you can focus on that one thing and see the importance of that thing. And not sort of, I guess, like dismiss it. Hopefully that helped. Um, how, of, how many kilometres do you replace shoes? So... After how many kilometres do you replace shoes used mostly for long tempos and high-intensity stuff? I have never counted a shoe's kilometre. I just run them until they feel dead. Or dead, or like a bit flat. So like, for example, I've got a Vaporfly 4% Fly in it, which I used a lot over lockdown. And all of a sudden it feels dead. I haven't used it since. I couldn't tell you how many kilometres I've done in it. I just run in it until I feel either flat or worse in that shoe. Or I feel like I'm starting to get a bit injured from the shoe being a bit worse, if that makes sense. Like, sometimes your Achilles goes or your arch of your foot hurts. So that's what I sort of do. So I have no clue um, how many miles that is, I'm afraid, sorry. But I think the best rule of thumb is to just not count mileage, because you could be doing mileage on a track or on grass, or you could be doing mileage on the road, and it's going to be completely different for the life of the shoe. You could be storing your shoe in different people wash the shoes in the washing machine, that's going to reduce the lifespan. If you store them outside in the cold, it's going to reduce the lifespan of your shoe. So I think just sort of play it by ear and don't really count the mileage and just sort of go until it feels like it's not a good shoe anymore or you're feeling like you're getting injured from it or something like that. That's what I do anyway. Um, how did you start Trackster? I wanted to start a, a running Instagram page to get free running stuff, I think, originally. Like, I'm, a, I'm always been a big fan of social media and also, like, I guess businesses and also I've been a massive fan of running and I sort of saw that there's no track and field Instagram page at this time other than flow track and stuff like that so I was like I'll start it and see if I can get free running stuff out of it I never saw it to be like a business or way to make money I just thought yeah see if I can get given some free running stuff because I saw some other people getting free running stuff and also I thought maybe if I get some affiliate links which is basically where you link to a page and you get commission I might be able to make some money out of it as well so that's why I started um and I think I realised very quickly that I really enjoyed doing it and it was great because I got to speak with loads of athletes Like because obviously there was no other page doing it. I think even when I was like at 6,000 followers, I started speaking with athletes. And I think when we sort of, this is when Rory was with us. Um, I said with us, he's not dead. He's just not part of Trackster anymore. This is when Rory was obviously doing Trackster. I think he started in a May 2020. So... Yeah, well, I think we were at like 10k followers at the time. We were like messaging to start doing podcasts because at that point I could have never been on a podcast, never been on a YouTube video. 
because I didn't have the confidence to do it. So Rory came on, we were like, yeah, he'll do most of the hosting for the podcast and we'll message. And like we messaged Craig Engels um, and he just came on the podcast. And I think that was where I was sort of like, wow, we can sort of do this properly because we've just asked Craig Engels, who at the time still is one of the biggest names in the sport and we just got him on a podcast for our first podcast ever. Like he had no, he had no experience of what our podcast was, no experience of what we were. We jumped on a call for, I think, for about an hour while he was travelling across the country. He was just sat in the back of his van and Trett is like, we'd known him all, like, like Trett is like, we were his friends. And the same happened with Sam Parsons. We messaged him, came on the podcast. So I think those early days really helped sort of get to a point where now I know, like, sort of what the purpose is of Trackster. And I mean, obviously, I finished university this year. So I think in terms of money making, I think that's now the next step is... I've sort of seen ways tracks to can make money and I sort of now want to do it full time when I've finished university um, as well as running. So I think that's the next goal is to sort of drive to that and make consistent money, which probably involves releasing more merch and also affiliate sales and also maybe coaching and maybe some sort of paywall subscription service. And I know a lot of people, as soon as I say that, like say no, no way, but it'd be like it wouldn't restrict any content we're making now. It would sort of be like exclusive content as extra, just as a way to sort of get a bit of money. And it would be like really, really cheap, but hopefully like my plan to do a paywall, because I don't necessarily think they're a bad thing. Like in any other sport, you've got a paywall for anything. I think what it would be is really over-deliver on amazing content and then have, say, everyone can access part of it for free. Like if you like if you only want to read one article, that's for free. But then if you try to read a few more within a certain amount of time, then restrict it for a paywall and it'd be like four dollars a month or something like that five dollars a month um but then obviously we're not putting any content we're already doing behind a paywall because i think that's just stupid like you build up a following for a reason don't ever restrict that kind of moving forward and then other money making methods like i kind of want to make like a product um i don't i don't really have anything to say about that because i don't really know what i want to do yet but i think some research into that and loads of other things like there's loads of other things to do it's kind of hard whilst trying to run tracks to solo like completely solo like i do everything by myself and luckily we're now lucky to have holly and edgar um in america who are going to help with video edits and also i guess sort of youtube videos edgar is a great commenter commentator and then also we've got max bauer and pierce max bauer i can't say his second name i know i can say it uh, and then pierce townsend both photographers and both sort of i mean they're both really great guys in the sport and I feel quite lucky to have them on board because speaking with Ben Crawford and other people, they've always sort of admired them as being like at the top of the game and their enthusiasm is amazing. I don't know why I'm saying this on the podcast because they're going to message me saying like, oh, thanks, and like take the mick out of me. But yeah, I think they're going to help a lot and we're going to try and get structure around that and sort of build tracks to a lot in the next year. Um, Got a bit sidetracked there. What's the worst distance and why? 800 metres. It's not even a question. It's by far the worst distance. Terrible distance, so painful. How, I don't know how 800 metres run 800 metres. How can you kick at the end of 600 metres of pure lactic? Like the last 200 metres. No, 800 metres is by far the worst distance. For me anyway, painful wise. I hate it. I really do hate it. Maybe a kilometre, but no one really runs that. So yeah, 800. And I think that might be like the last few questions I've got in terms of what I want to answer. Oh yeah, someone said... How are male pro athletes choosing between split shorts and short tights, half tights? Just comfort. 
I don't choose between them anymore. I think half tights are sort of the best. But I did do a session split shots the other day and I kind of really liked that again. So I might bring them back. Um, I think it's just comfort and what you get used to racing in. It depends on the season. I think when it's colder, half tights are kind of better because they're a bit warmer to your legs. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to do a poll again, actually, because I did one years ago or like last year. And I split shots at half tights and I kind of want to see if the opinions changed. Because I did used to say I like half tights and split shots together. Might bring that back, actually. Who knows? I, I do think I'm currently in the half tights camp in terms of what I'm racing. Don't know why. I think it's more streamlined. Like You've got the Ingebrigtsons wearing speed suits. So you sort of don't want to wear a speed suit because I couldn't pull it off. I'm way too skinny and look atrocious in a speed suit. But you kind of, I kind of want the most streamlined, lightweight thing possible. Where it doesn't really feel like you're wearing anything, if that makes sense. And the best of that, I think, Saw running. Um, Saw, they have the be by far the best kit. It's the highest quality kit out there. Um, so, yeah, if you can buy Saw kit, I would buy that um, from a tractor point of view. Or Say Sky. Say Sky, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sponsored by Say Sky or supported by Say Sky. I obviously wear all their kit. And they're also equally as good as Saw, in my opinion. Like those two, I think, Saw, Say Sky, and On have the best kit sort of levels above everything else and then I guess it's sort of Nike etc below it but I would say Saw, Say Sky and On by far have the best kit, kit out of anyone um, and someone else has said what's it like being sponsored by Sports Shoes, seems like a GOAT sponsor to me, I'm not actually sponsored by Sports Shoes I am the Sports Shoes athlete, so I don't get paid by Sports Shoes and I don't get affiliate link to link the products, what I do get is free running shoes which in my opinion, yes, it is probably the best to have because I can wear any running shoes I want. And, yeah, I mean, it's amazing to have support from sports shoes because they're a great brand and they're growing and they're investing a lot in terms of, like, these grass like younger athletes who haven't got a professional contract yet. And also, you could sort of have the free range of wearing whatever shoes you want. And also, it really helps with Trackster because also I do... I have collaborated with sports shoes in terms of Trackster-specific specific reviews. So I think, sort of... It works both ways for us and them because they also get an extra review out of Trackster, not just sending them to me personally. But then also myself, if they do send some for me personally, I can also review them on Trackster. So it works both ways. We get more content. Uh, so I think it's a great relationship that we've got. And I, obviously I want to do a lot more with them because, yeah, wearing shoes, like any shoes, and also I guess getting free shoes is obviously everyone's dream. And it helps that it's literally any shoe I want because I'm... Like I was thinking about this the other day, and I guess maybe let us know on Instagram again if you still listen to this, because we normally do this at the end of the podcast, especially this one, because I, I can imagine I've been very, very boring. If you are still listening to this, normally we say, message me saying a keyword, but just message my personal Instagram, which is at alfiemanthorpe, A-L-F-I-E-M-A-N-T-H-O-R-P-E, I had to think about spelling my name there, just message me what sort of sponsor you would want to have the most, and why. Because I wouldn't choose Nike. I think they've got an amazing mileage shoe in the Invincible. They haven't really got a great steady run shoe because I don't like the Pegasus as much at all at the minute. Um, they've obviously got a really good racing shoe. You can't really complain about that. Same with the Dragonfly and the Next Percent. The training shoes are very, very average. I'm talking session shoes. Tempo Next Percent, very average. And the Zoom Fly is actually probably bad. Like React Foam in a training shoe? No thanks. Um... I think I'd choose ASICs on New Balance. ASICs have the Nova Blast, the Gel Nimbus, 
the gel kaino for mileage shoes um, and also the no wood basket obviously go down into tempo shoes um, and then we've got the Metaspeed Sky which is a phenomenal racing shoe probably like I said before the best 5k 10k racing shoe they've got the prototype for the spike so you would obviously get that if you're a sponsored athlete um, which is probably the best spike on soft tracks not on hard tracks because the spikes are useless on hard tracks apparently according to Moketeer but then they also haven't got a great training shoe but I guess you would be able to wear the Metaspeed Sky in fact they have got a good training shoe coming out because the Magic Speed 2 looks amazing so hopefully that's really good um, and they've also got a Metaspeed Edge and also apparently the second edition of the Metaspeed Edge is much better than the first so the Metaspeed Edge is for people who've got shorter stride length and the Metaspeed Sky is for people who got longer stride length which is helpful for people who have short stride lengths because there isn't a shoe designed for people with short stride lengths so it's kind of cool that you have a shoe designed specifically for your needs so ASICs or New Balance because although I don't think they're as aggressive and fast enough yet they have got the SC Pacer coming out which is the racing flat I do enjoy New Balance foam better than anything I think but then they've also got the so they've got the RC Elite 2 or the, the new shoes coming out looking phenomenal so that's another reason like their new shoes are insane by the looks of things like amazing amazing i'm so excited for all their new shoes but the current at the minute they've got the new balance tc which is a great training shoe they've got the new balance rc2 which is a great racing shoe they've got the rebel v2 which is a great sort of tempo shoe without a plate and really soft they've got the more v11 no sorry they've got the fresh v11 the more v3 and the vongo 3 so yeah i probably say new balance or asics um as like a collective and also adidas and nike and Sacconi. And probably it. So yeah, I'd probably choose actually six because Puma as well. So yeah, I, I that kind of question was long-winded and I've not really given an answer because they're all great. But yeah, if you know why, whether it's the running shoes you wear and you prefer to wear them or whatever, then just send us a DM of what running shoes you prefer to wear. And I think we're going to end the podcast there because me talking for 54 minutes straight, literally probably not even having a breath in between because I know I speak quite fast. If anyone's still listening, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, weekly podcasts, hopefully more than weekly. A lot more YouTube videos, a lot more articles, and a lot more interviews, and a lot just a lot more content. So I think it's an exciting time for Trackster. And hopefully we can start producing some great content and sort of, I guess, sort of fulfill our 70,000 followers worth of things. Because at the minute, I don't really think, I think we grew too quickly to keep up. And that's why I've sort of focused on not growing anymore because if I grow 10, 10 of the right followers now, I'd rather grow 10 of the right ones than a thousand of, you know, just no offense, but like it, we grew a lot from reels and they're generally South American, Indian, or like Asian people who don't really speak English, who aren't really interested in what we're posting. So, sort of, they only like the running reels. So, for us, there's not really any point having those followers because they don't convert. In fact, they probably hurt the, the channel, the, the Instagram more so yeah i think growing sort of like really good like good fans of the sport is our priority now and that's obviously just making good content and engaging with athletes hopefully there's a lot more of that to come so yeah please if you don't follow us on instagram subscribe to us on youtube and leave a apple podcast rating and hopefully i didn't bore you too much for this 55 minutes and if you are listening while you're having a run hopefully it passed 55 minutes quite easily because i didn't realize it's been 55 minutes until i checked and also if you aren't listening to this on the run, I don't know what you're doing because you've probably just wasted 50 minutes, 55 minutes of your life listening to this nonsense. Um, 
So yeah, thanks for watching again. I've said that six times now and goodbye.